Hello! Welcome to the Excellency Fiddlesticks Podcast, episode number 26. Uh, jam-packed episode ahead for you. I've spent some, some real quality time recording this thing. But before we get started, a um, couple things. Obviously, the, the show details. You can subscribe through iTunes. I don't know how you got this one, but if you, if you went through iTunes, great. Go there, leave a comment, subscribe, whatever. Pass the link along, tell a friend. Uh, if you want to contact the show, xfiddle, E-X-F-I-D-D-L-E, at gmail.com. Or you can hit me up on Twitter at Bishtu4. Uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention, as we kicked off the show, um, the passing this week of Roger Ebert, who has always been one of my favorite writers. Uh, just just an amazingly prolific writer who was smart and funny. and, and uh, Well, it's, it's weird because he's, he's been part of popular culture for since the mid-'70s. I remember the first time we saw that show at the movies when we were, when we were younger. Um, movie critics... At the time, movie critics were somebody you either read in the paper, um, usually on a Friday, or there was maybe a five-minute segment on your local news where some foppishly uh, annoying man would get on the on the uh, on the air there, or maybe even a woman, but somebody who would be—he's the critic, our local critic—and he would review something. Usually on a Friday, he'd review a couple of movies. He might review a Broadway show that comes out, and he was usually you know, snarky and nasty and biting, whatever, and, and that was it. That was as far as you got for criticism of, of movies. And these guys came along, they put Siskel and Ebert together, they put him famously in that at the movie show uh, on public television, where two guys sit in the balcony who, had, from all accounts that I understand, didn't really like each other very much. They worked for rival newspapers, they were competitors, but they got together, and you could tell, despite a lot of their disagreements, they both had a mutual a love of, of cinema, and they talked about it, they talked intelligently, um, they stood their ground. It was just a really entertaining show. And then they, they took that act um, into syndicated TV for years and years, they became famous. And that, that they took movie criticism to, to, to the next level, I think. But Ebert went so far beyond basically just being a movie critic. I mean, his, his database of, of, of movie reviews is, is vast, and his website is fantastic. But as he got older... Um, He's just a very prolific writer. He had a blog on his site, which is always just... Even if he didn't agree with them a lot of times, and not, I didn't always agree with them, he made his case very, very well. It was never condescending. Uh, it, was, it was smartly written. And later in life, I mean, if you want to talk about an example of somebody who persevered despite ridiculously overwhelming odds, I mean, the man who made his living on television, in at least part, a good chunk of his living, got famous probably through television, um, along with Siskel, Later in life, got cancer, lost his jaw and the ability to speak. The man who, who was well known for being on television, being a visual presence, could no longer speak. That just made him a more prolific writer. I mean, he—if you followed him on Twitter, he was one of the most prolific tweeters I'd ever seen. I mean, he would probably—it's seemingly like every time you update your Twitter feed, you'd see something from Ebert in there, and it was usually something good. He linked to something, um, maybe something he'd done in the past. He'd linked to something new. He'd linked to somebody else who he found interesting, who he figured if you liked him, you might like that. He was always interacting with the fans. He would write back. There's plenty of stories which came out right after he died about people who would write him, like an 11-year-old kid would write him, and he'd write the kid back saying, stick with your dreams, whatever, and he, he would just... Very accessible for a, a person whose whose fame had reached a certain level to still be that accessible. It was really unusual. Uh, just a great writer. I'm, I'm going to miss I'm gonna miss him a lot when on the Twitter feed because it was always entertaining to see like I said, every time you update your Twitter feed, you look down and you see something something cool. If, if the man tweeted, he hit over 31,000 um, tweets, and none of them were stuff like, I just had a bacon sandwich, 
I went to the store today. Nothing that, none of that crap. It was always something interesting, a link to something provocative, something cool. Uh, just, just a, a wonderfully prolific writer who seemed to understand. And that's the weird thing is on Wednesday of this week, the story came out from the Sun Times, and there was a blog entry of his in the Sun Times saying he was going to slow it down a little bit because the cancer had returned. And he wasn't going to be writing as much lately, but they were doing some great work on his site. They were revamping things. And it seemed very positive, despite the initial bad news contained in that in that post. And I remember uh, a bunch of things went out. I'm like, oh, that sucks. I didn't even know he was sick again. You know, this is sad. And I started to think to myself, you know, he's not going to be around forever, and this might be the beginning of the end. And then the next day, he was dead. So, uh just a sad thing, but uh, just just a great great writer, one of my favorite writers. Um, he will be missed, and um, like I said, we'll always have the plenty of things to review. That's one thing I've noticed that every time I watch a movie, this is a ritual now. Every time I watch a movie, any movie, um, the first thing I'll do when the movie's over, the next time I get in front of a computer, I'll fire up IMDb, I'll look for trivia and goofs because that's just how obsessive I am about things like that, little details that are stupid. And then I'll go to the critical review section, and the first thing I'll do is say, well, what did Ebert think of this? And just say, I want to see if Ebert thinks the way I did about this movie. And sometimes I I got more out of reading reviews of his, which I didn't agree with, because it's always sometimes cool to hear a conflicting opinion or to hear something that maybe you didn't think about. Um, You know, sometimes we blindly agree. Sometimes he liked things way more, like any other critic. It's all subjective. He would like things way more than I did. He would he would not like things that I like. There's some famous movies out there that he trashed. There's a bunch of uh, great stories going around the internet yesterday and today since uh, since his passing. But I will continue to do that. Unfortunately, that's going to be a diminishing return eventually because you know, he's not going to review, review any more movies. But um, just a, just a great writer and uh, by all accounts a really cool guy, and uh, he will be missed. But let's get on with the show. Enjoy. Love that song. That, of course, is, is "Jump Around" by House of Pain, which is, I guess, is going back 20 years now. A big, huge hit, right? Huge hit for those guys. And if you remember watching that video, um, they were just like looked like just scary, angry young. They looked like young Irish dudes. The video had them like going around Boston. They were screwing up with a, like a St. Paddy's Day parade or something. But just some scary-looking dudes, right? And energetic as hell, because when you have a song called Jump Around, you're not going to film a video of yourselves kind of standing around doing nothing. These guys were actively bouncing all over the place. Which leads me to the conclusion I've made recently, where is, you know, we, for a long time now, I mean, rock and roll has been around for so long. Rock and roll started like in the 50s, right? So we're accustomed now to seeing our rock and rollers get old, right? We've seen the Rolling Stones, who were considered old in 1977, are still out there now touring, but you know they're they're old, but they're still out there. And the jokes are always made at their expense. But when you think about it, I mean, Keith Richards has looked like he was near death since you know 1972, but he's still he's still out there kicking. So you know he's getting the last laugh on all of us. You know he, he's been 
apparently clinically dead 100 times, but he's still out there. Mick Jagger looks great for his age. Mick Jagger is pushing 70 now, and he's probably in better shape than half the 35-year-olds out there. But those are sort of different examples. You see a lot of guys, it's, it's sort of sad when you see a, a rocker get old, but a lot of times, they're not the most active guys in the world anyway. Like a guy who, who sits behind his guitar and just plays it out, he can put on a little weight because he's not exactly doing flying leaps off the stage anymore. You know, like you watch Pete Townsend doing his windmills. He slowed down, but he was never that super high energy to begin with. Now that hip-hop is getting to be older now, hip-hop's been around for 30-plus years now, right? And now you're starting to see some of the original hip-hoppers hit that awkward older phase, right? A lot of them have sort of retired or slowly faded out of going into, like, if you look at Run from Run DMC, he's going and doing other things now. He's a reverend. He's got his own show and all that other stuff. You don't see these guys doing a lot of rapping anymore. But I happened to see when I was perusing my on-demand uh, last week or so, and I saw the video for Jump Around, and I'm like, oh, let's, I said to my son, I said, let's check this out. I don't know if he'd ever seen it before, and I know he likes the song too, because the song is so pervasive. It's still played at sporting events and everything like that. You hear that song all the time. Turns out the video was not the original video. It was actually a live performance from 2011. Apparently the band had reformed, was playing at some festival. I'm like, all right, let's check it out. And when I checked it out, when I saw it, I was like, oh, well, see, now I was at that awkward phase again where you see the, the lead singer, the leader, Everlast. Uh, he's a little pudgier now. He's certainly not the... Which makes sense. He's not He's not 25 anymore, right? He's, he's Now he's probably pushing, you know, 45. But... Uh, it's just, it's, it's almost sad to see. I mean, because that, like I said, that video's got these guys jumping all over the place and hopping around like crazy. And here on stage, they're, to say they're high energy, it, it was not a lot of high energy. And, and it was like, he was having a hard time because with the rapid fire lyrics, it's hard to, to do that much rapping. You gotta be in good shape. If you're gonna run around stage and rap like that, you gotta really be in good shape because it's, it's nonstop, basically nonstop verbalizing, right? Uh, he was not in the best shape in the world, and it was sort of sad to watch, and it, it kind of makes me sad for that, that I'm going to be seeing this now, and the next generation of guys is going to see their their musical icons start to get old, and, and, and it's sad, and it's, it's not fun to watch. So, uh, lesson for all you hip-hoppers out there. If you're going to be a high-energy hip-hopper, you're going to have to take better care of yourself. Uh, I mean, I, I think, you know, Madonna's still out there jumping around, and she's about 50-plus years old right now. Uh, but, you know, she's is a training fanatic, and I think the rap lifestyle doesn't lend itself to that. And neither does a rock and roll lifestyle, for that matter. It's a culture of excess. But uh, if you're out there now, and you, you're riding high you're on top of the world, take good care of yourself. Maybe you hit the treadmill once in a while and lay off the uh, lay off the crystal, you know what I'm saying? So uh, you don't want to have that fate happen to you. Anyway, I wish the best for the, for the House of Pain guys, because like I say, I love that song. It's an iconic song, but uh, please, you know, take care of yourselves. So I almost, uh, I almost killed a homeless guy this morning. Now, not, not because I was angry at him or because he wronged me or because I just felt like, you know, adding to my list of drifters that I've killed in my life. No, uh, it's one of those things where it's the time of year where when early morning and the sun is pretty low in the sky and, and you're, 
you're driving a certain direction and the sun is in your eyes and you are almost literally blinded. I mean, I'm looking straight ahead and I can't see, I certainly can't see the, the signal of the light in front of me. I can't see pretty much anything. And you're taking it on faith that, you know, I've been on this road before and I know how to get from point A to point B. So I make a left turn onto this road and the sun is boom, right in my eyes and there's no escaping it. I mean, if I put the, uh, if I put the visor down, I'm going to be, it's going to obstruct my entire windshield. So I'm still not, it's even a different form of blindness. So I start to go, you know, and I can see there's nobody in the immediate vicinity in front of me. And just at about probably within six or seven feet of, of there's a, there's a, a shadowy silhouette figure there and it's a guy and he's crossing the street and you know, I, I stop and he stops and then he does that move where, you know, he's going to stop and he's going to make me think about what I've done. He's going to sit there and, and like sort of, and he might've been, you know, yelling at me. I couldn't hear him. He was, he was gesturing at me in some way, but look, I understand. Okay. I could not see you. And if it takes a little bit of responsibility on your part, sir, homeless or not, or anybody, maybe he wasn't even, he might not have been homeless for all I know. He was a guy carrying some bags, but it was weird at that time of the day. It was like, you know, seven o'clock in the morning. Anyway, uh, it's on you a little bit to understand when you're crossing the street like that into, into a, into a, a sun blind area that maybe the guy, the oncoming traffic, me couldn't see you. So, uh, you know, count your blessings that you're still alive, buddy. And I'm count, I'm counting my blessings that I didn't hit you and have to be hung up with the you know, inquest and all this other bullshit. So, uh, that's a lesson out there. If you're driving in this, if you're driving in the sunlight, uh, watch out for pedestrians. And if you're a pedestrian, for Christ's sake, just know where you are. Damn it. With an EF news break, I'm Gern Blanston. At a news conference in the Pacific Northwest early this morning, a weary but apparently relieved Sasquatch came out and acknowledged his existence after an estimated 50-plus years in hiding. The 9-foot-tall, 1,100-pound hirsute man-beast was quoted as saying he was tired of living a lie and that it just seemed like the right time to do this. When pressed further, the being commonly known as Bigfoot said his parents were both very supportive of his decision and that he could not have taken the step without their love and support. He went on to say, that he had recently been watching the Animal Planet reality show Finding Bigfoot and said, quote, Those guys were never even close to locating me, and I just could not in my heart allow them to continue their fruitless pursuit. In a related story, Animal Planet has announced that the show will not return for a third season unless they can divert their search for another heretofore unseen legend. Closing arguments were heard in a county courthouse today for the case of O'Toole versus Johnson High School. The case was brought to court by Johnson High sophomore Colin O'Toole, who alleges that his English teacher, 27-year-old Melissa Buffington, neglected to have sex with him on repeated occasions during the past school year. The boy's lawyer argued that his client had been reading about teacher-student liaisons for most of his life and cites Miss Buffington as being derelict in her duties by not, quote, bumping uglies with selected underage male students. They are seeking financial restitution for emotional damages, but sources close to the trial tell EF News that O'Toole would accept a quick handy in the courthouse restroom and call it even. Police were stunned this afternoon when responding to a call at the home of a local hoarder, Lillian Stumblebottom. After successfully extracting the 63-year-old recluse from her cluttered abode, officers and forensics technicians unearthed 37 cats, nine of which were still alive, as well as 14 cases of new coke, 
12 years worth of People magazine, 450 pounds of newspaper, and approximately 75 distinct insect species. However, the most shocking find occurred when officials found a shaken, weakened man living behind a stack of crates in the garage. The man, who was taken to a nearby hospital and is in stable condition, was later identified as former American Idol co-host Brian Dunkelman, who disappeared shortly after helping crown Kelly Clarkson, the season one winner, back in 2002. The leader of the controversial Westboro Baptist Church, Reverend Fred Phelps, was in the news again, as he and his church of followers protested at a military funeral in Huntsville, Alabama, this week. The group, who preaches that the death of soldiers is God's punishment of America based on its tolerance of homosexuals, spent the afternoon brandishing large signs and chanting at the passing funeral procession. EF News contacted Phelps for an exclusive phone interview, where he clarified his stance. I mean, it's absolutely disgusting when you think about it. I mean, the mere thought of two men, their rock-hard bodies glistening with the moisture of sweat after a recent workout, their hands feverishly exploring each other's bodies, locked in a passionate embrace, leading to the expression of pumping, throbbing, animalistic expressions of carnal desire and mutual satisfaction. I'm sorry, what were we talking about again? In sports, it's time once again for the annual ritual known as March Madness, when the NCAA basketball tournaments for both men and women engross both fans and non-fans around the country. The early quest to crown collegiate champions, and our obsession with the event, does come at a cost, however, as estimates place the number of lost man-hours by American workers to be approximately 250,000, which in turn will cost American businesses over $5.3 billion. Those estimates are provided by the Bureau of Rectal Extraction Statistics, located in Battle Creek, Michigan. Pop singer Taylor Swift has reportedly written and recorded enough songs for a new double-length CD, which is slated for release in May. The new recording jumps just a few months after the release of her platinum-selling album, Red. When asked, the pop princess attributed her sudden burst of productivity to one evening of speed dating, resulting in her meeting and falling in and subsequently out of love, with 27 different men who suddenly became insufferable jackasses after spending just a few moments with her. Finally tonight, our poll wrote results from last week are in. We surveyed over 200 senior citizens and asked them what is the current greatest joy in their life. The results were surprising. 19% said my grandchildren. 18% said growing old with my spouse. 12% said growing old without my spouse. 5% said spending time with friends while 43% said, I pooped today. Surprising indeed. This week's question, are you in favor of assisted suicide for same-sex abortions? Time for once again for that recurring feature, the Fiddlesticks Comedy Corner. And as you know, if you've been following it, we spell comedy with a K because it's just that wacky. Uh, What we've done here is try to put together some tips for aspiring young comedians and give them a little bit of a foundation from which to build an act, to build a good solid five minutes to hit an open mic, to hit uh, a comedy club, anywhere, to get yourself started. Uh, You remember the last two installments of this, we focused on airline food, which again, is a comedy goldmine. In our last show, we gave you the ultimate uh, treasure trove of men and women are different, because they are different. I mean, my God, the differences are ridiculous. It's almost like they're from different planets, am I right? Anyway... This one, this is this is your finisher. This is your home run. Or maybe you can start with this. But either way, this is this is the one I think will really get you going. MTV. Are you, now make sure you're recording this, kids. You're writing this down. MTV stands for 
music television. But I turn it on. I don't see any music. I don't hear any music. All I see are pregnant rednecks or 16-year-old idiots in big houses. Where's the music? What's going on here? Hey, MTV? How about, you know, DTV for dumbass television or something like that? You guys don't play music anymore. What happened to videos? Where'd they go? What's the deal? You see where I'm going with this. You can take this premise to its logical extreme. MTV no longer plays music, huh? When's the last time you saw music on MTV, huh? What happened to the VJs? I bet they're old now. I bet they're old and decrepit. I bet they're playing, you know, Perry Como records now, huh? Who's with me? Anyway, you, as an aspiring stand-up, can take this premise and run with it. And I encourage you to do so. And again, no credit due, no credit, no thanks is necessary. This is my service to the the comedic community, and it's my pleasure. So you're welcome, and have at it. best thing about the internet is that it never fails. It never You don't have to click for more than five clicks away from some ridiculously stupid story. And I found two stories which both focus, uh, I guess you can say they're relationship-based stories, different stages. first one occurred in uh, San Dimas, California. And the headline will say, officials had said that a man wildly punches another man while trying to impress a woman on his first date. Now, First dates. Now, I haven't been in the dating pool for quite a long time. Probably, well, at least almost 25 years now. I'm an old fart. And I can't imagine now, if I were ever thrown back into the dating pool, how, how I would fare. I would have zero game. I think I would just be completely uh, completely out of touch with what to do and, and you know how things work nowadays. You've got internet dating and texting and all this other stuff, which just was not part of the deal when I was in my dating days, right? So I'd have to imagine that these two people, uh, if they met online, right, um, the man is a 31-year-old man, um, I would have to imagine that they they met online, that they would probably, it says they met online, they knew each other, I guess, through that interaction, right? So they've probably been talking for a while or whatever. So you you sort of get the, the gist, maybe, of what the other person's like, enough to say, hey, let's take this to the next level and let's actually... Um, let's meet. Let's meet and go out. Perfect. It's working so wonderfully. But at some point, this guy decided uh, he hadn't done enough. Maybe the date wasn't going well. He wanted to impress his his young lady friend. Uh, but let's just let's just read on what he does here. Uh, a man trying to impress his date. There you go. Crashed a car into the back of another vehicle late Monday, and then began trying to punch the driver. But the man's scheme nearly unraveled when the driver got out of his car and overpowered him. So. He's driving with his date. Maybe things aren't going well. Maybe he's telling some stories and he can see, feel the tension in the car where nothing he says is working. Um, things are bad. He's, and all of a sudden, the idea pops. I got it. I'll show her what a tough guy I am. I'll smash my car into the guy in front of me, which you do, and maybe, you know, get into a fight. Show her how tough I am. All right? 
Unfortunately, he hit. Uh, he chose the wrong guy. He chose a guy who decided to fight back. This was 10.40 p.m., so it was probably later in the evening. Maybe dinner went crappy, you know, maybe their steak was undercooked. Maybe he, when he took her to Denny's, they didn't do the moves over my hammy to their liking. Um, it says, they go on, the story goes on to say that the man his date had met online, like I said, was driving on Gladstone when the man began bragging about himself. There you go. He's, he's starting to puff himself up. I'm, I'm this, I'm that. He then randomly picked out a vehicle driving in front of them and crashed into it. There it is. Just watch this. You know, hold my beer while I do this. Both drivers then pulled over because some things I think are going according to plan. He's showing her how tough he is. He rear-ends the guy in front of him. The guy's going to get out and he's going to show how tough he is. When a guy gives him shit, he's going to punch him in the face. Uh, the man ran up to the other car and began swinging at the driver. So the plan is working to perfection. Smash, get out, beat. However, the other driver, who was 48-year-old Laverne man, said none of the punches connected. So apparently this guy was just flailing wildly like, ah! Uh, he then got out of his car and put the younger man in a bear hug. So clearly, they don't list how big the uh, the perpetrator of this thing is. But I imagine he's probably not a very large man. If he can go up to another guy and start wildly punching him, and the other guy says, A, none of the punches even connected, and it sounds like if they did connect, it wouldn't have mattered. And the guy just gets out of his car and bear hugs him and tells him basically to, to knock it off. Uh, the younger man was able to get away and fled in his car. So... Imagine your master plan now that you've, you're going to show the woman uh, how tough you are and how awesome you are. You do the ambush plan, attack, and basically you get humiliated where you have to flee in terror for your life. Uh, they're still looking for the man. Uh, the deputy said the man is suspected of assault with a force likely to cause great bodily injury. Well, yeah, he could have hurt the guy because he purposely struck another motor. So, I mean, this is a, a first date going awry. Now, or maybe... Maybe in this whole scenario, this is what the chick is into. People are into some crazy stuff. Maybe she says, hey, you're not that tough. Let me show you how you're tough here. Why don't you hit that guy up there and then beat the shit out of him for me? All right. Maybe she promised him some sort of uh, maybe additional benefits, if you know what I mean, after that. Either way, this guy is still at large. So um, if you're in the San Dimas area in California and you see a, I'm guessing, a scrawny person coming up behind you fast, get ready. He may hit you. But luckily, the odds are on your side, you could probably kick the shit out of him. Um, just just ridiculous. Uh, the other story that I found, that I don't know how this one eluded me. This was from um, earlier in March, about a month ago. Uh, a man reportedly faked his own kidnapping to avoid a girlfriend's wrath. Now, we've all been there, people, right? We've all been in relationships which aren't going well. And usually, um, what adults would do is maybe talk about it, maybe talk it out and say, you know, things aren't going well, maybe we should go our separate ways, um, or, you know, I screwed up, I did something wrong, Here, here's what I did, here's what wrong. Uh, this guy, this guy from Brooklyn, he apparently disappeared for two weeks, or his girlfriend, didn't. they didn't, weren't in touch for two weeks, um, and he realized that I need to come up with some sort of alibi as to why I didn't speak or see my girlfriend for two weeks. I'm guessing those two week, that two-week period involved him screwing around with somebody else. You'd have to guess. But let's read on the story. It says, A Brooklyn man reportedly trying to avoid the wrath of his girlfriend after a prolonged absence decided to fake his own kidnapping only to be discovered by police after he left behind blatant evidence of the hoax. So apparently, if you're going to pull something off like this, You've got to be pretty sophisticated. You've got to be somewhat smart. But how screwed up is your relationship that you resort to this? That you have to fake, you have to come up with an elaborate scheme 
about faking your own kidnapping, in which you know police are going to get involved, right? And, and cops have a pretty good bullshit detector when you have to you have to tell them this story because it's going to be, hey, I was kidnapped. Well, you better go to the police. This is pretty serious. Uh, Ramel Wallace is the man. He's 34 years old, which, come on, you should know better. Uh, he also goes by the name Ramal Petway, which is, he has two last names. Maybe that explains how, why he's missing a lot. He was reported missing from the um, Bainbridge Street, Reed Avenue, Bed-Stuy in Brooklyn, the cops told him. Uh, he was found, when they found him, he was hogtied in the street, still in the same neighborhood, with duct tape over his mouth. All right, that looks pretty serious. But according to the New York Post, he had neglected to remove the roll of duct tape, which was left dangling from his wrists. Such a rookie mistake. If you're gonna, everybody says if you're gonna tie yourself up, you, you need a, a second person. You need because once you have your hands tied together, you can't rip that duct tape off. And you know you got to rip that right down a straight line. He couldn't do that. Uh, the cops who you know who have seen everything quote He's a total moron. A law enforcement source told the Post. It was a pathetic attempt to pull the wool over her eyes. Uh, he was found at one o'clock in the morning. <laughs> by somebody who notified the cops, as you would if you saw a guy hogtied in the street with duct tape over his mouth. Uh, so Wallace, or Petway, whatever the hell his name is, told the officers he couldn't recall what happened, and he said later said the two men in a light blue minivan abducted him. Okay, well now, once you throw that line of bullshit out there, now the cops have to bring you in and they have to get statements and everything like that. Your story better hold up. Your story, they're going to try to find, you know, get to the bottom of your story, and they go on to know details, whatever you know. And, like I said, their bullshit detectors are pretty well honed, and they'll be able to poke a lot of holes in your story. He went as far as to make a verbal and written statement that he was kidnapped, but then, of course, he recanted it because, you know, the cops started getting suspicious. Uh, He was taken to a medical center where, obviously, when they find that there's no physical harm to him, uh, he confessed right then that he made the whole thing up. He, He said he made it up because he was frightened about the prospect of facing his girlfriend after he'd vanished for two weeks, so he resorted to faking his own kidnapping. Now, there are several reasons why this man is an idiot. That's just one of them. Um, first of all, running out on your girlfriend for two weeks. That's a little weird. You don't have any explanation where you were. I, I can't imagine his girlfriend lived that far away. So maybe, I mean, where were you for two weeks? They never explained where he was for this two-week period. Maybe he never explained it. But whatever he was, he wasn't around his girlfriend. who was probably, A, worried sick and then gradually getting pissed off. Then when she finds out about this fake kidnapping thing, she probably... I imagine they're broken up now. I, I hope so. These, these two crazy kids can't work it out. Then there's no hope for any of us. But, um, And then, of course, now, by doing that, he he's gets charged with a misdemeanor. It's, it's false reporting an incident to the police. You've wasted the policeman's time. You've wasted um, medical people's time. You're wasting a lot of people's time. People, Cops could have been out fighting maybe a real crime, and they're busy trying to figure out why you tried to hog tie and duct tape your own ass. Uh, this guy also has two drug-related previous charges and has ten separate sealed records of arrest. Clearly, he's a model citizen. Um, didn't think his cunning plan all the way through. But I can't imagine that the relationship is going to keep going after this. Um, but boy, here, here's the lesson to you kids out there. If you're going to fake your own kidnapping, you're going to have to get somebody to help you out just to make that final duct tape rip. And maybe have them punch you in the face a few times just to you know make it look more realistic. Uh, I'm sure many people that I know would volunteer for that duty. Uh, if possible, but um, that's the internet for you. You Great stories, and um, it just keeps delivering every time. There'll be more later, but uh, wow.
Time once again for the parting shot where I recommend something that I find awesome, and hopefully you will find awesome too. Peanut butter and jelly, beer and pretzels, bacon and eggs, all iconic food combinations which are an integral part of our food culture. Nobody stops to wonder when these items were first paired together because it doesn't matter. What matters is that they're awesome together and that we enjoy them. In some cases, or other cases, items are thrown together which would seem to be mismatched at first. Think peanut butter and chocolate, which, according to legendary advertising, were first joined when an unsuspecting woman was walking down the street eating from a jar of peanut butter, like you do, and she had a violent collision with a man eating a Hershey bar. The resulting anger and confusion was tempered, thankfully, when each sampled the resulting food mashup, and the rest is history. Amazing? You bet, but also lucrative. After first discovering the inherent awesomeness of these delights, my next response was along the lines of, what took so long for somebody to come up with this? And more importantly, how come I didn't think of it? Well, the good folks at Taco Bell, who have spent years basically repackaging the same seven ingredients into a wide variety of items, triggered both of those sentiments in me when they unveiled the Doritos Locos Taco. For those of you who either do not like fast food or have missed this major development, this delightfully awesome invention is nothing more than a taco with a shell made from nacho cheese Doritos. Beautiful, simple, yet amazing. Stoners, rejoice. We have a new leader in a clubhouse. It tastes exactly as one imagines it would. I mean, look, I understand that the beef in a taco from, from the bell is roughly 30% recycled paper product or something, and the cheese might be from milk of an unknown mammal, and the lettuce resembles the output from your office shredder. But that doesn't matter. The fact that somebody in their employ had this magical idea was nothing short of brilliant, and the sales have reflected that. Now, the next logical step in this master plan was recently taken when they rolled out the Cool Ranch version. Again, this is a home run. It contains all the goodness of the original, but with that unmistakable Cool Ranchy vibe. We should expect them to continue to roll with new versions to cover the 75 or so versions of Doritos which currently are out there, and I'm looking forward to it. Now, however, comes news of the ultimate divide-by-zero moment. Doritos is coming out with, wait for it, Doritos Locos Tacos Doritos. Say, these chips are designed to taste like the taco, which leads to the inevitable question, will Taco Bell now produce a taco whose shell is made from the Dorito, which tastes like the taco, which contains the original Dorito shell? I hope so. And if that's a success, which you know it will be, will Doritos counter with by producing a chip based on the new taco, which is based on the original chip? I, for one, hope so. This is one example where the snack world eating itself will only continue to benefit mankind and ultimately the world. And that's my party shot for this week. Um, enjoy, I hope you enjoyed the show. If you want to contact the show, it's xfiddle at gmail.com. Of course, you can follow me on Twitter at bish24. And, um, yeah, if you like the show, share a link, tell a friend. Until next time, adios.